Hello and welcome to the July episode of the Red Havas, Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Linda Descano, and today I'm speaking with Dino Delic, who oversees enterprise relationships in the industry verticals of health, finance, technology, and media for Meltwater, which is a provider of comprehensive media, social, and consumer intelligence and insight, and in transparency, one of our very own partners. In this conversation, Dino and I discuss the hot topics at this year's Meltwater Summit. We explore new AI-powered tools that Meltwater recently introduced to help customers with analyzing data and getting to even more meaningful insights. And finally, the power of data and insights in managing corporate reputation, particularly in today's dynamic and politically charged landscape. Our conversation today is part of our Behind the Brand series, which pull back the curtain on an iconic brand to discuss the people shaping that brand's strategy. Today's episode is part of our Behind the Brand series, which pulls back the curtain on an iconic brand to focus on the people shaping that organization's communications and marketing strategy. I hope you will enjoy the program. Dino, welcome to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. So happy to have the opportunity to reconnect with you. Yeah, great to be back here again. And thank you for the privilege. It is our pleasure. I thought we'd start our conversation with you telling us a little bit about what your role is at Meltwater, a little bit about what Meltwater does. Sure. This year, we've gone through a bit of a transformation. So my role is ever evolving, but Right now, I'm basically taking care of the team that's taking care of our enterprise clients in a few particular verticals, including health, finance, tech, and entertainment. So my job is really just to help our team, help our clients connect the dots as much as possible with all the external data that we collect. What really attracted you to the role of data analysis? Well, we used to say media intelligence, but I think is media too narrow a term these days? Yeah, we thought the same thing a few years ago, which is why we kind of shifted from media intelligence to external intelligence. And I still don't think that encompasses truly what Meltwater does. So the the blessing and the curse is that we do cover so much, but I think it's best encapsulated or most closely encapsulated by external intelligence. Because what we're really helping companies do is collect information outside of their four walls and make sense of it and do something with it ideally make more informed decisions, better understand where they're spending money wisely and not spending money so wisely. So has many different purposes. And yeah, it's still hard. And it's always a mouthful to try to summarize it to the right person. And it's very blurred because while all of us have so many identities in our, our day-to-day, we're consumers, we're parents, we're employees of companies. And very often we're talking about various aspects of our lives publicly, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn and in conversation. So it it is very blurred about what is internal versus external, external versus internal. It's really this, I like to say mixternal because those lines are really blurred today. Yeah, very much so. And I think we're starting to see that with all the different types of functions we now support. Back when I started at Meltwater a long time ago now, it was really PR and communications that we worked with. And in America, when I when I moved from Australia to America, you know, I saw 
the varying specializations in the discipline, you know, media relations versus public relations and so on and so forth. But over the years, as social media came to the fore and now different types of media, media doesn't encapsulate it quite. And we don't just serve PR and comms with social media sitting often in a marketing department. And then you have influencer marketing. Marketing and comms is still our mainstay. However, some of our acquisitions now lead us to often liaise with, I, I put them into four different buckets. There's brand and marketing. PR and comms, insights and strategy, and then this bucket that I call competitive intelligence, which really serves sales teams, customer service teams, and procurement also falls in there as well. So all this data that is essentially a tweet, a TikTok video, an article, a blog post, a podcast, a YouTube video, user-generated content or media-generated content online and in many other forms, if used in a particular way, it can answer questions for all these different people. So the great thing, and what you asked the question, what drew me to this, I mean, I happened to land here accidentally, like a lot of us, you know, in our current careers. I studied marketing, but I got my first sales job at the age of 18. I was just hooked on interacting with people, you know, and it turns out, if you like problem solving, sales is a pretty good profession but I didn't stick around in a sales career for over two decades now because I love sales. It was just through pure luck that I landed on a company that has such a interesting data set that I'm not out there having to sell. I mean, one of my good friends that I was just hanging out with this weekend, you know, he's just switched a career from after leaving Meltwater, went to selling concrete or a particular type of concrete. But now he's selling 3PL, you know, logistics and shipping. As great as that is for people and, and offers him some freedom and he really loves the job, I just can't get excited about helping people with their concrete making decisions. So I'm luckily in the right frame of mind, but it's not because I sorted it out. I just kind of landed here accidentally, I guess. Well, and when you say problem solving, I also think of like putting a puzzle together because really you're talking about all of these insights, all of this data and analysis, and it's a continuum and how you can package it and analyze it, to your point, can really be at the very front line in terms of product development and design all the way through, right, your marketing and customer service strategy, because it's a continuum. All these lines of traditional media channels have blurred. And what you're seeing from customer service and have great insight and help shape the communication strategy and marketing strategy, potential product innovations. And today, particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, as purpose has become so politicized and polarizing, it's even more critical for brands and businesses to be able to think holistically about mm -hmm. who is talking about what and how are these issues playing out and what are the opportunities and what are the risks from attracting talent to maintaining customer loyalty to you know, being able to manage the expectations of their shareholders or investors. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about those four functions that I categorized, they all have different stakeholders. But my biggest lesson over the last, I don't know, five or six years, as I've gotten a little bit more mature, I would like to think in, in my career, is realizing how all of this comes together. Because my immature thinking many years ago as I sort of rose through the ranks I was thinking that each discipline is so different and they all have their own data sets, but 
I'm starting to realize, and I'm sure you've seen this too, that the companies that do better versus the ones that are struggling with business in general are the ones that have a nice central unifying mission, set of values, and everybody contributes to those goals. The companies that do well, but only for a short period of time are the ones where they have a really strong marketing discipline or function, but it doesn't last because they don't work all well together. Like they might do really well with attracting a particular type of customer, but then if their service offering, their product doesn't satisfy them ultimately, or if it doesn't sustain those values, then you see their brand drop off. So this also ties in with, I guess, what keeps me employed, but also what keeps me excited is realizing that, especially in PR and comms, I think people don't often connect the dots between what they're doing and what their company is doing. They're just looking to measure their own performance frequently. And with the benefit of data, like what we have and the tools that we have, you can really inform strategy, but you can also inform other departments. I think some of the most interesting use cases that we've certainly been able to highlight recently, especially with Summit, is when PR and sales work together. You know, the holy grail for PR is to be able to say, we ran a campaign, we put out these press releases, and then we generated this much business. And that's next to impossible to do because that's not how people make purchasing decisions. But a really good PR campaign coupled with marketing and owned media and paid media and activations and all sorts of other things will change user behavior if it does work well. And that user behavior should indicate, you know, more subscriptions, more purchases, whatever it may be. While you might not be able to connect a through line from A directly to Z, you can show those correlations. But everybody's sort of fixated on just showing that the output that they're creating is, is doing something. And I think it's about looking at things holistically. And at the same time, the reason why insights and strategy teams love what we have is because they're able to use it to set a strategy. Say, what should my PR team be doing? So some of the stories that we've been able to highlight recently are the ones where PR can use the media monitoring tools that we provide to track competitors or to track key accounts and then inform customer service and sales that there are significant things going on or significant trends that their sales team can walk into meetings better armed with. And when everyone's working in unison, instead of working in their silos, buying their own tools, collecting their own intelligence, then somebody like the CFO would be happy because that's truly how you get cost saving and synergy is when you can eliminate the unnecessary waste when all of these functions operate independently and have their own different tools. But then the other challenge is how do you achieve agility and not slow people down by making them all use the same tool? Making it, right. But I think you touched on something. I agree with you. I think that the brands and businesses that are most successful are those that can almost operationalize context and that they're not all, each department is looking at data in a silo, but they're thinking about it in terms of what is the business strategy in mind, right? And everyone is coming together to analyze and evaluate the data with context and thinking about their partners. And it's a very customer-centric approach as where everyone in the chain is thinking about who their customer is. So maybe yeah. sales is a customer of, of PR and vice versa. So you're just not thinking about outputs, but outcomes, but how does it tie into business strategy, which I think has to be set at the top of the house. 
I think we're also seeing a change in the PR communications industry. I talk about it as, you know, PR and comms pros have to speak the language of business. We had an extraordinary opportunity during the pandemic to bring perspective as to what was happening in the impact of conversations around social justice and equity to business leaders, to boards and shareholders. And that's important that we continue to be able to translate what we do and understand how we could use intelligence, what the media is talking about, how the media is talking about something, what's happening in the social landscape to feed into, to your point, back into business strategy and inform that. And it is a two-way street. You teed up the summit, which is a great segue, because recently Meltwater brought together, what was it, some 900 brand communicators and marketers for a couple of days of conversations on what are the issues facing marketing and communication teams today. You had representatives from, I think, virtually every industry. So give us the lowdown. Who was in the room and what were the three or four topics that really rose to the top of the agenda? Yeah, well, I have to take the opportunity to take my hat off to our marketing team who pulled off an amazing feat. I mean, post-pandemic, we were all excited to get back to networking, being in rooms with clients and putting our clients together in rooms so that they could learn from each other and share their experiences because we know that that's what they really, really value. So in a very short span of time, I think it was like January was the green light for the event and they put it together and they got, yeah, 800 plus people in the room, mostly Meltwater customers, but a lot of people also not necessarily Meltwater customers. But that also speaks to the agenda that they put together. We had about 50 something speakers, over 30 different sessions, and everybody was raving about the spectrum that we covered and the, the caliber of the speakers. And I know I sound like I'm boasting, but I'm really trying to give a pat on the back to our team because it was very well put together. And we hope that clients really loved it. The, the feedback surveys are coming back very, very strong, but it was incredible to see that many different companies in a room, several rooms, and the sessions were quite informative. I mean, we had so many different diverse kinds of speakers. We had Bethany Frankel, you know, who opened the day. And then we sort of finished the day on the opposite end of the spectrum with Trevor Noah. They're both juggernauts when it comes to the media and social followings mm-hmm. and that but they just operate in two very different ways and in two very different worlds, but at the same time being in the same world. But in between there, we had, you know, a track for influencer marketing and PR and analytics and all sorts of things. On average, the the attendees attended or the registrants sat through like 20 different sessions and the best things about Summit that the survey said, they loved the agenda, the networking and the location. So I think they, they did a good job in picking New York. Of course, the main talking point was AI. I think that just comes off the heels of everything that we've seen with ChatGPT. And I think it's kind of all just hype. There's a lot of interest in AI, especially in this space, because of how excited people are that there's automation that can save time. So naturally, the conversation, and I don't know about you, Linda, but I'm kind of sick of the conversation going into all the fear-mongering about AI. Right. I'm not saying we shouldn't be afraid of it. There is a use for it that is going to be downright annoying and also dangerous. But in all of those professions, of those four functions that I talked about, you know, inside strategy, customer service, sales, brand, marketing, PR, and comms, the biggest gripe for everybody is that they're so busy, but they don't have time 
to do their job because they have to do a lot of manual work. You might be in marketing or in social and like, you know, let's say I'm a social coordinator or a community manager. What am I spending most of my time doing that I could automate? Generating content, copying and pasting stuff, updating data sheets. In PR and comms, you know, you're collecting clips, writing press releases. There are so many things that people just pull their hair out about. That's what I'm excited about is that AI can eliminate all those menial tasks. And that shouldn't be replacing jobs. Where people expect that it's going to replace a job, that I think is just hype and hyperbole. Like when Tesla said that they were going to activate autopilot. I mean, how many years ago was that? Uh, Are we still driving our own cars? Yes. You know, exactly. Just makes driving a car actually more enjoyable. I don't know if you own a Tesla or if you've driven one. My in-laws have one and I'll take it for a spin any chance I get. But it's so much less tiring when you go on a long drive and the car does some of the thinking. Some of, exactly. I agree completely. And I'm with you on AI. I think it is free us up to put time and energy against higher value tests. If you're going to have more data analyzed and available to you, that means you're going to have to spend more time on analysis and it actually may create different types of jobs right? Our roles will evolve, but it's just with technology and the roles in banks, tellers shifted when you had ATMs come online. There's always something new because we're going to have different expectations. And so our roles will evolve to meet those changing expectations of our clients. But you also at the summit introduced some AI powered innovations to Meltwater. So I'm curious about, I think one of them was about being able to help generate some social content, helping with press releases. So what kind of reaction did you get from, you know, those in the room? Yeah, it's interesting. The car analogy fits really well here with Tesla because a lot of the things that we're launching, I would imagine people would think of it as just low-hanging fruit because we're focusing on the things that people get most frustrated about, the things that they spend the most time on. So There's a tool that helps you write a press release. You put in a few prompts, some bullet points, and it'll then help you flesh that out and you can edit it. So it just speeds up the time that it takes to go from start to finish on a 400-word press release. Then there's things like image generators. If I'm a social community manager and I want to post something and I find a great royalty-free image, but I want to change the background, what that eliminates is you having to email somebody else on your team and wait a day or two to do it. Right. That's not replacing someone's job. That's just enabling you to do your job faster. Meanwhile, the graphic designer still keeps his job or her job, and they're doing something a little bit more important and bigger. They don't like those little menial tasks. So there's the image gallery and the image generator. There's the ability to change the tone of messages on social media through ChatGPT and those integrations that we have, writing the press releases. But for us, really, if you think about the way that we get to the most powerful thing that we do, which is creating insights for people, insights is data contextualized, paired to a question, Mm -hmm. sorting through the billions of documents that we get every day. The most painstaking thing that people have to do is to categorize it or put it in the right bucket or understand it, analyze it, summarize it. So large language models are great at saying, what company is this about? What other companies are mentioned? Is this positive? Is this negative? And all those other sorts of things. So those are some of the more behind the scenes things that we're also developing. But just like everything in life, I feel like it's the little things. Most people think that, oh, great. So Meltwater is going to develop some tool that can create a dashboard that an executive from an executive leadership team at a Fortune 500 can type in a question and it will populate all the answers on a screen. 
yes, that actually is possible. And that's what we're working on and we'll be rolling out very shortly. And that's not hype, but that's like saying, oh, so I can sit in a Tesla and it will drive me to San Diego. Yes, it will. Now, will it give that executive accurate information? That's what we're making sure that it does absolutely do so right now. Just like making sure that a Tesla won't go on the sidewalk instead of the correct car lane. But I, I think my point about the little things in life, what I appreciate about Teslas is being able to walk up to the car and not have to press a button it just the door unlocks automatically. Right. Knowing that it's me and not my wife or not my father-in-law, for example, or just speaking to the car and saying, I want to go here, find me this type of restaurant. It's the little things that make it so, because anybody who's been in that situation and let's say you get into a car accident and you have to be in a rental and you get downgraded to something that doesn't have the features that you're used to, that's when you really notice it. So for us, with what we're rolling out, we're first focused on all of the little things that make people want to throw their computer out the window. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we're also focused on the really big things that make people, after all that time and effort, still say, I don't have anything insightful. And it's connecting the, the context behind right. the data. That's really where AI is deployed. Yeah. And it's also about giving right your customers, these brands and businesses, greater ability to flex and be agile. It's just the sheer volume of conversations happening, but also the issues that brands and businesses are expected to take a stance on and be able to respond to in real time require that you operationalize and you keep your fingers on the pulse of what are people saying? What does this mean? And when should I speak? When should I listen? And all of these tools help brands get to that decision process and have better data to make more informed decisions and really know how to separate what's real, what's noise, and what is misinformation versus fact, which is a big issue that we all are navigating today. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you something a little bit more specific because I'm sure the audience, again, there's so many of these podcasts and so many people talking about what we're talking about that a lot of it is generics, but real life today, the things that people can do with AI and large language models and everything that's been around and is coming to be around just today. You know, imagine that you're starting a new campaign and you're in, say, fintech. And what's happening in fintech is there is misinformation, disinformation, but there's also an absolute grab for customers. And it's all about rebranding yourself. So there are companies that have been around. And I think finance is similar to automotive in a way. You don't imagine that Ford is necessarily so innovative when it comes to EVs these days and Chevy and Toyota. So what all those companies are trying to do is position themselves as innovative in that space while they're still trying to sell cars and they're trying to you know, acquire customers. Mm -hmm. But there's the Rivians, the Teslas and all the other Fiskers and whatnot. So they kind of have a bit of that hype going for them. So if I'm in charge of generating a campaign to create awareness or to boost my reputation in, on the innovative dimension, then I have questions. I have questions like, who should I target? Who is an influencer that I should work with? Which publications actually have the most clout on this? What is the green space? Meaning, what message do my competitors not use that I could use that's matched with me? And that's where today you can ask those questions through the tools that we have and get those answers. And this is sort of unexciting, but this has been around for a little while. Most people think like this is brand new. 
six, 12, 18 months ago, if a client asked us the same sorts of question, we would have been able to answer them. It's just that what's great about all this hype is that people are now starting to realize the kinds of questions that they can ask and the kind of answers that they can get. Mm -hmm. And we're already a little bit ahead of the game because of the development that we've had and the acquisitions that we've made. So I think for me, I always, like I said, even, even at our conference, when everybody was talking about AI, it's so talked about that for me, I'm like, what's real? What, what can I use right away? Mm-hmm. And it was, it's the little things about categorization, speeding up the process, coming up with Boolean about reputation, for example, let's right. say, what does this article do to help advance my reputation? And that question can be answered inside the tool that will tell you it contains these elements. It's talking about ESG and sustainability. So it's talking about your board and directors. So it's governance. So it's all there. And I think people are starting to realize that it's this benign everyday stuff that's actually the most exciting mm-hmm. most because that's where they're going to see the most impact with time saved. Right. You know, I, I think back to conversations we had during the height of COVID when we were talking about CEOs having to be front and center and really how the landscape of executive communications shifted. And I think one of the things that stood out in our conversations was that Meltwater, you always keep the business purpose, the business strategy at the center. And it's about not just solving a communications issue, but it's solving the business issue. It's really about the sustainable growth, the sustainable future of the organization and understanding that all of these conversations really shape business strategy. It's not just the communications. It's what does it mean across the ecosystem that every brand and business represent and being able to take all of these inputs, which I think as you've built more tools and added to your solution is to really understand what is that in a multi-stakeholder environment that everyone is working against, right? What is, it's like the Venn diagram. What is the overlap or the disconnects between shareholders and community partners, between shareholders and employees, between employees and customers, you know, between the elected officials that every organization has to navigate that control their license to operate And it gives you that level of granularity to understand how different decisions can affect the conversations about your brand in those various stakeholder groups and then make a plan for how to play to the strengths, but also manage against potential backlash. Yeah, you're so right. But I think what's interesting is our focus, like you say, on being holistic and looking at things from a bigger picture, it's deliberate and accidental. We looked at what's unique about what we have and what we do, and that is we have so many specialized tools, and each of those tools has a different suite of competitors. And if you just look at that tool, it has certain capabilities, certain features that maybe other tools have or don't have. But if you then zoom out and look at what we can offer to our clients overall, like let's say a competitive intelligence solution that a sales executive can use to track their 10 key accounts, or our ESG perception tracker that a chief sustainability officer or a chief communications officer would want to use to see how well are we doing on our sustainability positioning and whatever that means to them, whether it's the E or the S or the G. All those things have competitors. But for us, when we sat down and looked at what we have that's unique, we realized that what a company can get from us is a through line through all of that. I know we've talked a lot about purpose over the years and even things like social and should a CEO be present on social and all that sort of stuff. 
the thing that keeps coming up in conversations that I have with clients either directly about this topic or indirectly is who owns what? Who owns social? That was the question a few years ago. Like, oh, should it sit with PR? Should it sit with, with marketing? Or who owns purpose? Is there a particular function or a particular CXO that should be in charge of purpose or reputation? Same thing. Things like that. There's two types of answers. There's one, which is, well, you designate a specific person, like social should sit with marketing, for example. But the PR team uses social to advance their messaging and create awareness about certain topics. They're not going to create separate handles, so then you have to share it and you have to measure it in a particular way. The opposite end of the spectrum is to say everybody owns it. Who owns purpose? Everyone. The customer service rep that greets you at the Hyatt when you check in, the person on the phone booking, the person you know changing the towels, or there's a hybrid in between which is there should be somebody responsible for it, but everybody should be aware of that responsibility and how it works. So going back to your point about how we always look at those sort of things, that's what it boils down to. All our tools and all our capabilities, it's not useful when you look at it so siloed, so focused on reach, impressions, engagement, clicks, and all that sort of stuff. It's about how did this advance corporate objectives and corporate objectives everybody owns. Everybody should know what their company stands for and what their company is trying to achieve, not just more customers, but changing behaviors. And I think you could drive that to an extreme and say, everyone that greets you at Starbucks should have the purpose of making your day a little bit better. I think that's a little bit airy-fairy. I think at the end of the day, they really need to make sure that you have a good experience and you buy more stuff. And that's how Starbucks is going to be around. So everything that we do touches so many disciplines that it's been challenging, but it's also been very interesting to figure out how we fit within that. And so now what we've done in 2023, to continue my monologue, is a significant verticalization of our teams. So last year, I could have a conversation with a hospital system one day, and then I could be talking to a, a travel website, then I could be talking to an agency like you, Linda. All those conversations we might have different disciplines inside those companies, but those companies have unique sets of challenges inside their industry. So we've spent a lot of time and effort reorganizing our workforce to better support our clients according to these verticals. So now we have our agency and systems integrators and consulting vertical. We have retail and consumer goods. We have government. All of those teams now have specialty knowledge and expertise. We have analysts that generate reports for executives in those different verticals. We know what they care about. And the feedback from clients that they've noticed is a significant increase in the value of the information that we provide. We're not doing anything differently other than we're just putting some guardrails around who works on what accounts. And it's been tremendous because then we leverage the power of all of the tools that we have, but focus it on specifically solving the challenges of that particular industry. And just that little, like I said, the little things in life, that little move for us has generated right. so much better feedback. But it's also about context, right? You're bringing experts who really understand that category and they're able to look at that data with a different lens. And yeah. through having been on the same side as your customers, they're able to see things that perhaps others might miss because they've sat in your customers' chairs. And that's a great way for a partnership, but it also enables you to continue to evolve the tools as that industry, as that category changes, but still have the benefit of looking across different industries. Because I know you oversee a number of different verticals, as you mentioned, to see what are the learnings. Because while health and finance and tech have their own category-specific issues, 
all of them are front and center in some of the conversations around DE&I, around ESG, around climate. And so then what are some of those learnings that can take away? Well, I'm wondering because you do work with a number of different verticals. You know, as you think about the topics or the themes that most of the brand marketers and communicators in the room were keen on discussing or issues they want to keep top of mind, were you continuing to see a real focus around ESG, sustainability, climate? What are some of the topics that seem to be front and center that clients are looking for insights and support on? There were three main themes. And I'm just sort of thinking off the cuff here, but our most popular track was the influence track. So the influencer marketing room, which was one of the, not the main stage, but the second room, <laughs> it was so overcrowded that unfortunately some people couldn't attend the sessions and we couldn't put enough chairs in that room. And what was interesting is when I looked around at all the name tags and looked at all the disciplines that were in that room, it wasn't just marketing. It wasn't just PR. So for me, influencer marketing is becoming such an interesting space because it's at the confluence of a really good earned campaign backed by an influencer campaign and then also a paid strategy. And it's customer acquisition, it's building trust, it's creating awareness, mm -hmm. it's so pivotal. So one of the three key main topics was influencer marketing. The second one was ESG. It's huge in the sense that there is a lot of noise out there when it comes to ESG and there's a lot of people a lot of companies making claims and statements. And I think even Uber the other day, I saw that they were saying that they were going to electrify their entire fleet by 2030, but they don't employ any of their drivers, not according to them anyway. They can't tell the drivers what cars to have. So how are they going to achieve that pledge? How much do people believe that pledge? Every day, millions of people ride their cars, but they talk about it, they tweet about it, and they talk about their experience. So that was a big focal point, ESGs, just how to measure it, how to get through the hype and how to also assess a company's ROI on those efforts and whether or not they should double down. That was the second one. The third one was misinformation, disinformation. I think for finance and for health in particular, of course, we know misinformation, disinformation around the war in Ukraine and around COVID. But if you think about things like financial products, but also the claims of certain diets and fads and there are things that sometimes we don't even challenge the thinking of. When you see that information, having a tool that can help you understand whether or not the talking point came from an unreliable source. Yes. A very hard thing to identify for somebody who's managing a crisis or who's working in PR and marketing, who's trying to combat somebody hijacking their marketing campaign and just making up incorrect information. Trying to get to the source and then address it is the correct way to do it, but that's the hardest way to do it. No, it's so true. I was at PRSA's ICON conference last November, and I was talking to someone who works for a state medical commission. She was saying they are spending 90% of their time as communicators combating anti-science bills and that there are just locals that are putting out information and points of view on the safety of vaccines, of various medicines and such. And they can't even get to the heart of solving some of the really big health issues in the community because they're trying to really manage all of this proposed legislation. And they never thought they would have to debate in what was then 2022. These are important 
topics. And you're right, there are ones where today every brand is having to weigh in day in, day out because the lines are shifting. And even who's an influencer? I think even that has changed. What types of influence? How are employees influencers? It's the whole notion has changed coming out of COVID. I think what's interesting about those three things, if you want to philosophize with me for a minute, they're not new problems. Not necessarily problems, but influencer marketing might seem like it's a new thing because, yes, the idea of going to get a meal at a restaurant and sitting next to somebody who's got their phone out and they're recording and they're talking might seem new. But at the end of the day, influencer marketing is all about communicating to an audience and building trust and awareness. And those are things that we've been doing for a long time. It's just it's the way that we do it has changed. Same thing with ESG, sustainability now is just a very broad topic with some specialty disciplines inside it or aspects of it, but it's a topic that we've been talking about for decades. Then the misinformation, disinformation, I mean, how many of us have friends or aunties and uncles at Thanksgiving that sit there and say things like, well, they say, and this happened and so on and so forth. That's been happening since we were cavemen. It's just the speed at which all of this information breaks that causes issues. But if you understand how to leverage the opportunity and mitigate the risks, there are significant upsides. So every time somebody you know, does some fear-mongering about all these sorts of things, I always think, well, that it's exciting because you can capitalize on an opportunity, but they're not necessarily new risks. It's just the speed at which these risks right. It's the pace of information, right? And how quickly something can go from a back burner to the front burner and a company has to have a process in place for how do you respond? And to me, and we've talked about that, how do you operationalize and have an always on listening process, but also that as issues take on different shape or different import, the right people are in the room discussing it versus acting in silos. And it could be an informed strategic decision, but you have to have the right relationships, the right processes, the right sets of data to enable you to pivot on your front foot. And I do think people are also craving authenticity, which is where the ESG conversation has shifted. Don't just say you're going to electrify your fleet, but tell me how. People want to know that it's not just a promise, but it's going to be delivered with influencers. Is this someone who really shares my passion for the brand and can talk to me and take me behind the scenes? And it's not just because they're being paid to do something, but there's really a shared sense of trust. There's a shared experience and a common value that's bringing Mm -hmm. people together. I was going to say, I'll give you a hot take on this and it's related to purpose and ESG, but I think all companies seem to have gone through a phase of feeling obligated to join a conversation. And when you talk about authenticity, I mean, my personal opinion, I say it's a hot take, not everyone's going to agree on it, but if you don't truly care, then don't get involved. Not everyone has to have a Ukrainian flag in front of their house, for example. But if you truly care, then use all the tools, use all the messaging channels and, and whatnot. But I think there are a lot of companies that grapple with the internal question of, should we get involved and how? But they very quickly skip over the question of, should we get involved? Like, do we have anything meaningful to offer? And if you don't, it's okay. You know, some companies are so afraid of being talked about on Reddit and sort of pulled into a conversation because they're not taking a stance. Disney, of course, for example, what happened in Florida, and then they did it and they did it and they retracted and Bud Light. All those examples are really, if you don't truly care about it, then don't get involved because that's going to backfire worse 
than anything that's controversial, but you legitimately care about. Now, who am exactly. I to give this advice to people? But I just think so many departments that we work with, marketing, communications, insights, and strategy, they sometimes very quickly skip over that step of realizing, using the data to say, do we even have a leg to stand on? Do we have a problem here? Will we be outed for being hypocrites and contradicting ourselves? I agree. I think it should start with the why. Why should we take a stand? Why should we comment on something? I subscribe to Stephen Covey's Begin with the End in Mind. If we're going to say something, what could people, the most cynical person out there, the most cynical employee, the most cynical customer, most cynical elected official say about us? Do we understand where we are? Can we actually live up to this pledge or at least be humble and talk about the journey? And third, my grandmother would say to me, say what you mean and mean what you say. And I've always felt like, unless you really can deliver and speak with confidence because you understand where you are and that what you're saying externally actually is what your employees are experiencing. It's what your customers are experiencing when they interact with your brand and business. So those have been my guiding rules. Now we could keep talking for another hour, but we do have to bring our conversation to a close. So as we do with all of the behind the brand segments, I'd like to close with a few career-related lightning round questions. Are you ready? Well, I just hope I can be as wise as everybody's grandmother and evidently yours. So yeah, I think I'm ready. <laughs> she was indeed. So first, what is your superpower? Oh boy. Uh, superpower. I don't know that I believe in superpowers, Linda. I will tell you that I have one strength and just like everybody else's my strength can also be my greatest weakness which is curiosity i don't think i necessarily see it as a superpower because it's something that everybody else has right that's what i imagine a superpower is and you can see my curiosity already being displayed here where i'm like now questioning the definition of superpower (laughs) question but that's kind of going back to full circle how we started this conversation how i'm in this role today it's really just around curiosity and i don't do anything that i don't get excited about or passionate about. And usually if I get curious, it's much easier to find that passion. It's caused me to waste a lot of time on unnecessary things. That's the weakness part. Caused me to ask a lot of questions that maybe aggravate a few people and don't like being interrogated, but I don't consider it a superpower. I think it's just the the natural thing that everybody has. I just happen to use it sometimes too much, sometimes the right amount. Well, it sounds like you use it in a super way. Second, what's the most useful career advice you've ever received? Uh, again, I think I struggle with questions like this. I probably should have given you that warning. (laughs) So 13 years ago, I moved from Australia to the States with Meltwater. And there was a gentleman that I was working with that we were working on this long project, working with some wine growing families and conglomerates in Australia. And we were just so close to finishing the project. And then I announced to him that I was moving in two weeks. And I'll never forget the advice that he gave me because he said, when you go to America, he said in such an Australian way, he said, mate, they love numbers. And I think it's It's not just Americans, but he said, just whenever you give a presentation, whenever someone asks you a question, if you can answer it with a number, it will be so much more beneficial. And I can't disagree with that at all. We are obsessed with numbers. Some people sometimes forget it. Again, it's not just Americans. I think it's a global thing, but that, that has been very helpful to my career. 
I absolutely love that. I have never heard that piece of advice, but I will be sharing it. Absolutely loved it. And last but not least, do you have a mantra or a favorite quote that you live by? I'll be very underwhelming with my answer to this question. I really don't. The closest thing I have to it, you know, I'll be a cheesy dad, but when my kids were like three and one, I remember just thinking they were old enough that I could implant some doctrines in their mind. And it was listen to grownups, clean up after yourself, make it fun for everyone. That's it. So if, if there's anything, it's listen to grownups could be translated in business speak as just collect the wisdom of your elders, people that are more experienced than you. And they don't necessarily have to be doing it longer or have to be older and wiser. They just have more time spent on a particular discipline than you. And I think there's something to be learned from everyone. Clean up after yourself. I mean, that can be as basic as you want, but that goes a long way. And then make it fun for everyone. I mean, if, if it's not fun, then why do it? That's my mantra. Those are brilliant. Thank you so much, Dino, for joining us today. I hope you will come back and we'll continue the conversation about how Meltwater continues to evolve its solutions and what you're seeing happening in the world of insights and analysis. Absolutely. This was very fun and a pleasure as always. And I hope it was useful for the audience that happened to hopefully still be listening towards the end of this. But yeah, thank you very much for the time, Linda. Always I have no doubt. And I should just reference for our listeners we will have links to the Meltwater Summit wrap-up blogs, videos, and such, along with the press release about Meltwater's AI innovations in the show notes. Well, I do have to plug that we will also, we are about to announce that we'll be doing a little bit of a roadshow for those people that couldn't attend Summit in New York. We will be doing a little bit of a tour in some cities like San Francisco and Austin. There'll be some smaller events, but if anybody's interested, please contact Meltwater, your account rep, or reach out to our marketing team through the website if you'd like to attend some sessions that we have coming up around the country in the next couple of months. Great. We'll include that in our show notes as well. Thank you, Dino. Have a great rest of your evening. You too, Linda. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas.